0: Honesty of David and in his uh, uh, deception and I, I mean it was just really what what you're looking at in David's life at this time was lies, deception, fear, running. Uh, I mean everything that that someone that that is irrational is doing. And we saw how the stress and and a lot of things that was going on in his life to to mount up the pressure. And so and then we had ended this. If you recall, he had. Uh, gone into the Philistines and it was there that he was trying to uh, find safety and and had to change his behavior and had made a fool of himself <clears throat> and then and I would mentioned this and I want to go and I want to read it but it was right here at the end of this chapter right in this time of his life that he wrote Psalm 34 and so I'd like you to turn over and let's Let's see what's going on in, in David's life after all of this has happened and, and now he's gotten away and, and uh, come back to himself and started thinking about some of the irrational behavior and this is what he said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad, oh magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him." Oh, fear the Lord, yea, his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his eyes are upon, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of, out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. I can only imagine here is David, the, a child of God and one that has, ha, has, has already had a, a young life of serving God and had a tremendous victory in, in uh, leading the battle against Goliath and, and now has seen great battles and, and fighting for Israel and seeing God's blessings upon his life. And then all of a sudden, for no fault of his own, we see that Saul is trying to kill him and, and, and all this pressure that's mounting up. And he starts making these irrational decisions and starts doing these things that are wrong and, and starts making some bad choices in his life. And then God comes knocking. God comes knocking. God comes knocking on David's heart, and here we see the the beloved king of Israel that had been chosen by God so many years before this, and now in all of this desperation and all this time, and, and then all of a sudden in all these bad decisions that have been made, God comes knocking on David's heart. And so he writes Psalm 34, comes back to his senses and we see that blessed restoration that God wants us to have. Well, then it tells us in chapter 22 and verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adalam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Just a couple of things that I want us to think about. I want us to think about where David goes when God comes knocking and then I also want to see the people that follow David in this time of restoration. And in this, first of all, David therefore departed, and so he gets away from the the, the carnality, he gets away from the world, he gets away from the Philistines that are not his friend, and he goes to a cave. How interesting is that? Whenever you start thinking about God doing a work in in His people's lives and in their hearts and, and in our own lives and in our own hearts, when is it that so often it is that, that God comes ta- uh, knocking in our hearts and bringing us under conviction? We have gotten ourselves in a, in a terrible place and we're, and we're in places where you never thought that God may talk to you. Here is David in the middle of a cave. We think of Joseph who was in a jail cell. We think of Abraham's descendants that were that were dealing with a fiery brick kiln. We also think of Daniel, who was in a lion's den. We think of Jonah, who was in the belly of a fish. We think of Paul, who was swimming to shore on the pieces of a scattered ship that had been destroyed by the waters. And here we have David in a cave. Oh, this is not the only one that's ever been in a cave. Elijah was also in a cave thinking that his life was in jeopardy and the king was going to kill him and, and, or more so, he was worried more about the king's wife Jezebel than he was the king thinking that he was all alone. And it was there in that cave that that still small voice spoke to Elijah. And oh, here we have David coming to the cave and God doing a miraculous work in his heart. When God comes knocking, He does a miraculous work in our lives if we will just bow to Him. If we will get rid of the pride, we'll get rid of the fear, we'll walk away from the anxiety and trying to control things that we have no control over and trust in Him. You know, as I give thought to our own Savior, And we think about who is our Savior. He's the one that was described as the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It tells us that the rich man came to him, and Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You know, something else is interesting. It tells us in the last verse of John chapter 7, verse 53, it tells us, and every man went into his own house. And then chapter 8 in verse 1, and Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. Oh, I think of our Savior, and I think of what he represents. I think about who he is, and, and look, he, he's not looking at uh, the, the Joel Osteen ideas. He's not thinking about the finest jets that we can fly in. He's not looking at the finest mansions and, and looking and thinking that all of our blessings are based upon something that could be lost tomorrow. He wants us to follow Him. And He wants us to understand that sometimes it's in the most meager of beginnings that God can do a miraculous work in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe God has you there now. Maybe he has you in a cave right now. Maybe he has you in a dark place and and here you are just like David who had come to this point and and in all of his irrational thinking and running and and, and all this noise in his life and all these things that that are consuming him and God brings him to a place where there is nothing but him and God and brings us to the place where we can listen to him and realize who is our savior. Crazy place to find a king, isn't it? In the middle of a cave. But here he is. But then we go on in verse two. And I see who who went with him. Actually, in the last part of verse one, and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Uh, you, You cannot help but spiritualize this verse. You cannot help but see and realize that this isn't just talking about David, this is talking about our Savior also. Whenever we think about Jesus Christ and and saying come unto me all ye who are are are, are uh, uh, yeah there there it is Stand up and quoted you know and so and and here we know that his yoke is easy and his burden is light he tells us and and so who is heavy laden who is the ones that are burdened today are you burdened down with your are you understanding here it is and and whenever we give thought to this here it goes david running to this cave and it's there in this quiet place that god does a work in his heart here it is is where he he has uh, uh has has just written psalm 34 and now he runs into the cave and now look at this he writes two psalms while he's in the cave psalm 37 and psalm 142 I think this is amazing. It it gets us to to be able to see just a little bit about what is going on in his heart and in his mind during this time and, 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 and seeing how God is bringing him back. But Psalm 57, here we see David says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. You see the desperation in his mind? Do you see here that, that he's come to the point where, where God, here I am. You, you have told me that I'm going to be the king. I need your mercy. Oh, I need your help. I will cry unto God, most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall sin from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, say God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves, say law. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory, awake, psaltery in heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. (laughs) In all of his desperation, he ends up in a cave, a dark place, where here in his desperation at the beginning of this psalm, we see that he sees nothing but darkness, and God brought him to the dark place so that he could see who it was that was knocking on his heart it was God and he revealed himself more to david look over at psalm 142 even more passionate i believe i cried unto the lord with my voice and with my voice unto the lord did i make my supplication i poured out my complaint before him i showed before him my trouble when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. H- have you ever had that? Have you ever had it to the point in your life where you're just overwhelmed and there's just like, you, I, I just can't handle anymore, God. Then thou knewest my path. In the, where, in the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me no man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You see the turn? You see the turn in his attitude? You see the turn in his praise? Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutor's for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. He is the perfect example of what we need to do whenever we get in a high-stress situation, whenever we get to the point where all you want to do is run, when you just want to get to the point where, where you are trying to handle everything and trying to control everything, and everything is completely out of control. And God allows you to go to a dark place. Do you realize that that dark place can be the cave where God can talk to you, where all the quietness is shut out, and it's there that he can do a work in your heart? it's there that he can change us into what he wants us to be. You know what it starts with too? Whenever we think of this and we we think of this beautiful restoration that, that is coming in David's heart and in his life and in his mind during this time, then we see the impact that he's going to have on others. Because he goes to that cave and then people find out that he's there And oh, I do believe by the time that those people show up, he's already written these Psalms. I believe it's already he's done business with God and he's gotten things right with God. And when God came knocking, he started listening to what God was telling him and he got on his knees and he confessed the sin that he had in his life and he got things right with God. And now we see that God can use him in the way that he needs to use him and prepare him to be the king. And it's everyone that was in distress. When you look at the, the description of these characters, that is exactly the way we are before we ever trust Christ as our Savior. They were in distress. And everyone that was in debt. <laughs> yeah, we have a debt. We have a sin debt. There's no way that we can pay. But Christ does and everyone that was discontented. You know, I think they finally got to the point where they are like, look, this king isn't at all what God told us he was gonna be. This life isn't anything like what I thought it was going to be. I am discontent in what's going on. I am, I am stressed and distressed in my life with all these things, I, I am truly in debt in, in my life and all, all, all of the sin debt that I owe, and there is absolutely nothing that I can do with this. And so they come to David, and they follow him and gathered themselves unto him, and he became, became a captain over them. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Christ is our captain, isn't he? he's the one that leads us he's the one that has taken us out of that distressed position he's paid the debt and he's brought a contentedness in our hearts and became our captain you know what we did we followed him we followed him i remember i think it was i think it was when the men were preaching the one night and, and I think Ben mentioned something in Hebrews about meeting Jesus outside the camp. And how precious that is to realize that all of the religion was inside the camp. All the religion was inside the temple. All the religion was in all of the things that they were doing, and all the traditions, and all of the Mosaic law, and all the sacrifices. And it tells us that Christ was crucified outside the camp. And they followed him. Here are these men left the camp to follow their captain. Oh, how beautiful picture we have. And then the last thing, and we're going to be done, but in there were with him about 400 men. How many thousands did Saul have? and David had 400. We need to realize that even when Christ was here on earth, the majority did not follow him. We know that God has always worked with the minority. I love what he did with Gideon to remind us of his power and what he can do. And it's with these men that God turns that nation upside down. 400 men. Those that were not willing to make the rock their pillow. There were those that were not willing to leave the camp, not willing to leave the temple, not willing to leave the power, not willing to leave the king. And somebody asked the question the other day, why did Jonathan stay with his dad? I don't know, but maybe, I'm just speculating, maybe Jonathan wasn't as good a friend as you thought he was because he wasn't willing to leave the palace. Maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid that his dad would kill him. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But here we see that, and there were with him about 400 men few followed. Why? The way is narrow. Broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way to salvation. Whenever we give thought to David, and whenever we give thought to these two verses, I just want us to give thought to what do we do when God comes knocking on our heart to bring us back to where we need to be? Are we going to listen? Are we going to have the kind of heart that David had and bow to God and cry out to him? Or are we going to respond to Saul? We know how how that ended. Let's trust him. Let's live for him. And let's see God's blessings upon our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for David and the example that he's given us. And I pray your blessings upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.